to wait 30 days is a big deal. For us to wait a year, oh my goodness, just impossible. So these kids don't really understand what it means to be waiting for a Messiah. So I want you to do this with me. How many of you guys are interested in, in, in your, your history, your genealogy, those people before you? How many of you guys know your grandparents? How about great-grandparents? You know who they are? Some of you really, 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 really. How about great-great-great-grandparents? How about where you came from? Like England and Germany? Okay, okay we've gotten some hands going up. Got a few hands going up. So I want you to think about this with me. In the year 1272, 1272, every one of us had relatives in that time era, 1272 A.D., 1272. Things were going on like the, from 1200 to 1300, there were crusades going on in England and they were kicking the heathens out of, out of uh, Jerusalem and, and Constantinople was, was taken over. There was all of these historical things going on. The Magna Carta, by the way, was signed in those days. All kinds of famous things going on. But what if, what if there was a prophet of God that got raised up in that time and he told of, of the Messiah going to be born? 1272. And it was passed on from generation to generation to generation to us. That's 750 years ago. That's about the same time that Isaiah prophesied, by the way, before Jesus was born. 750 years. So for 750 years, the Israelites, the Jewish people, passed this information on. They didn't just pass it on, though. They didn't just, wasn't just a flippant thing that they did. From that time forward, every time they had the Passover feast, which is, is in our Easter time frame, they celebrate God, God uh, bringing them out of the land of Egypt. They celebrate that. And in every one of those Passover feasts, they started having a, a table set and there was a place open for the Messiah. Always a place for the Messiah. And, and those children, it was, it was pressed upon them, if you will. It's a good word from the Bible. They were taught the Messiah is coming. He's coming. He's coming. Much like, though, by the way, we sometimes forget that Jesus is coming again. These guys didn't forget that. They were looking intently for the Messiah. Could this be him? And, and there were claims uh, from that time forward. Someone would be born and he would claim he's the Messiah. So they formed a committee. They must have been Baptists. They formed a committee and started looking at, at their credentials, if you will. Did he fulfill all of those things out of Isaiah? Did, did these things happen in his life? And every one of them disputed, 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 disregarded down through the ages until Jesus came. And Matthew spends a part of his book, well, really he spends most of his book trying to prove to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. From genealogy all the way down to, to proving everything <coughs> that happened in Jesus' life proves he's the Messiah. And by the way, the Jews believe that he has fulfilled all the promises but one. He's coming again. When the Messiah comes, he's going to come as a conqueror. Wow. So they're waiting until this day. They're waiting, hoping for the Messiah. So can you imagine, 
Here your your relatives, way back, 1272 A.D., they they started talking about this Messiah. God had come to them, and man, they they knew that this Messiah was coming. So uh, generation after generation, every generation brought that up. He's coming, he's coming, the Messiah is coming. Man, we're looking, we're looking for our deliverer. He's coming, he's coming. All the way down to now. And he's born. And his fame spreads, by the way. There were even shepherds out there. These, these shepherds, Bethlehem is just, just a couple of miles from downtown Jerusalem. Bethlehem is not far away. And, and this place where the shepherds had, this shepherd's field was, was maybe, I don't know, half a mile away from Bethlehem, so they didn't have a far track. But these, these angels appeared to them, and, and, and they came in and started looking at the Messiah. Wow. And they spread that news everywhere. You know, back then they didn't have newspapers and so on, so word of mouth was it. But I mean, that, that, that news spread like wildfire. It had to. All over the, the Messiah is here. We've seen the Messiah. We've seen him. We've seen him. And that's spreading because all of the people, every Jew was looking for that. They're looking for the Messiah. They're hungering for that day when, when God sends the Messiah. But the problem is they missed it. Can you imagine waiting 750 years? Pins and needles waiting for the Messiah. Generation after generation. And missing it? Wow. Even when Jesus became an adult, and when, I mean, all of the fame before that spread, that he was in the temple teaching and like no other man had taught him. And, and all of these miracles were happening. And, and when he became of age at 30 years old, he's out, he's doing all of these miracles. People are being healed He's feeding 5,000, and still, people missed it. People missed it. Wow. I can't imagine a greater tragedy. I can't imagine waiting 750 years for this event to, be, to happen. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, I really want to go back to verse 13. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. It is not enough to try the patience of men. Will you try the patience of God also? Therefore, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin will be with child and, and will give birth to a son and will call his name Emmanuel. Do you, do you realize how unbelievable that is? That's unbelievable in these days, but there is no way. I mean, can you imagine this prophet coming in? And Isaiah was truly a prophet. They knew he was a prophet because God had spoken, spoken through him and all kinds of things had happened. They had seen the results of that. They, they revered Isaiah as a prophet. So they knew when he spoke, he was speaking the words of God, not something on his own. And he prophesied about this virgin who would bear a child. He would be called... Emmanuel, God with us. And so they waited and waited and waited for that event. And it happened. Guess what? They missed it. Many of them missed it. Just, just a small handful. Just a small handful got it. And yet they almost spread to all the world who Jesus was. Turn with me, if you will, to Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 
praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven just for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. A hope. There is maybe nothing in the, in the human existence more important than hope. It's not just wishing. I mean, I used to get the wish book and, and open that up too and, and wish and wish and wish, knowing that my parents weren't going to be able to afford none of that. But man, it didn't stop me from wishing. But I knew that that wasn't reality. The hope that the Bible talks about here is absolute truth, absolute promise of God, absolute reality that Jesus came, was born of a virgin, that, that he lived and, and he was crucified on a cross. And yet he was resurrected and he lives today. We have that hope inside of us, not, not just a hope that's fleeting, not just a hope, well, maybe I hope God's, God's really did that. We can go back and historically look at it, but down deep inside of us is this truth that should spring up like a well that says Jesus is coming again. Could be today. Could be tomorrow. Could be next week. Could be next year. Who knows? When we were in Israel, one of the things that I, I, I had a real reality check was was how they think differently than we do. But in Israel, they've already got, a, they've got a, a group. The Sanhedrin has formed again, by the way. I don't know if you know that or not, but the Sanhedrin has formed again. And that Sanhedrin is looking for the day that they can take the Temple Mount back. And all of the articles for the Temple are there. They've been built. They are waiting. You, we, they had on display when we were there the, the um, candlestick. It's huge. It's maybe this tall. It's massive, built out of solid gold. It's beautiful. He was behind all his case and so on and so forth. And so a rabbi came up about that time and they started talking to him and he came to us. And, and so we asked him, so when is the temple going to be taken over? When are you guys going to start sacrificing again in the temple? When is that going to happen? And he said, it doesn't matter. We're getting everything ready and prepared for that day. That day. If it's 150 years from now, our great-grandchildren will do it. It doesn't matter. It's going to happen. We put our hope and our faith in that. We know that we know that we know that it's going to happen. Wow. I think so many times in, in our lives, in the United States of America, we put our hope in all kinds of things. How many of you guys ever put your hope in the stock market? Oops. How about the government? Hmm. That's hurting us a little bit. You put your hope in all kinds of things. And, and man, I've been there. I, I hope that this is going to work out. Put my money over here and hope it's going to do good. But my hope, my strength, my faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. We read this morning in the 107th Psalm that God's love endures forever. Not tomorrow, not next week, not a hundred years from now, not a thousand years from now, but forever God's love endures. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and He will be the same in your life. 
He is your Savior, your strength. Put all of your hope in Him. Faith in anything else is going to cause you problems. Faith in anything else is going to be less. Faith in anything else is not going to last. Put your faith and hope in something eternal. Peter comes in this passage of Scripture and says this, In His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Everyone in this room needs something to hope for. We need something to hope for. Now you guys know that I keep up with what's going on in Ukraine and and because uh, and, and, it, it intrigues me. All of this whole situation right now intrigues me. And so these people in Ukraine have been bombed. They, Russians tried to kill the infrastructure, so on and so forth. They don't have any heat. They don't have any water. They don't have any of the things that we normally have. And yet they interviewed this family and they said, what are you going to do? And they said, we're going to celebrate. Wow. Christmas may be difficult for them in the situation they're in. But they're going to celebrate because God is still God. Their hope is in Him and not even in their circumstances around them. We've got to do the same thing. We've got to realize that, that our inheritance is not here. Our inheritance is in heaven. That God is waiting for that. That, that we can live life right now. Jesus said, I come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly right now. I have trouble with that sometimes, guys. I tell you, I struggle with that. Sometimes I go, woe is me, how bad it is for this going on, that's going on. Wow, stuff's happening. And I don't realize that God is giving me abundant life today. I ain't got to wait till heaven to do that. All I've got to do is put my hope and faith in Him. And most of us in this room can testify not been hungry too many times. Because God has provided for us. What a privilege that is. And then my hope is not in tomorrow. The older I get, the more I realize how how tough you got to be to make it through life. Every day you get up, something else hurts. Something going wrong. You don't know that, by the way, until you young guys just wait. You don't know that till you wake up and you're laying in bed and you go, man, that's a good day, and then you move. That's a whole bad thing. It's a whole different thing. Right there. You'll get there, though. Some of you older guys are going, yeah, you ain't seen nothing yet, boy. But my hope is not in that. My hope is in this inheritance that Peter writes about. It doesn't matter what goes on around me. What, what if that were to come to the United States? What if war were to come to the United States and we suddenly had nothing? Would we put our hope in our army or military or government? Or would we put our hope in Jesus? Knowing that he's the author and finisher of our faith knowing that He has prepared for us an inheritance that we can't even possibly imagine. This is a day. It's one of my favorite times of the year, not because 
we celebrate the coming of Jesus, and that's a great thing to celebrate. But as we light these candles, we need to realize that our, our life needs to look like that candle. On the inside, it's burning bright with hope. It's what our world needs desperately. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. Our world needs desperately for us to tell them about what God is doing in our life right now. Not 40 years ago when I was saved, but today, what God's doing. Because He's working. He's working all around us. He's working inside of us. And, and our very lives ought to be like that candle. As we go out of this place, we share with people about what God's doing around us, in us, through us. And we have the hope that no one else has. We've got a God that loves us and His love endures forever. We've got a God that, that sustains us and He will continue to sustain us day after day after day. We've got a God who cares for us and cares for our country and cares about what happens to us. We've got a God who's alive and well. We need to share that with our world. I'm amazed. I learn all kinds of lessons day after day. And I've told you this once. We, we, we were at uh, uh, in Coleman and Panther Creek, great football team, won the state championship. Man, I could spread that news. I could probably still tell you most of the statistics right from this moment. Sunk down deep inside is a great football game. At least if you're from Panther Creek, it was a great football game. And God really convicted me about how many people do you tell about me like that. Couldn't you talk about me like that? Today, as we leave this place, let's spread light to every person around us. Do you realize that all of the world missed it. In those days, they missed the Messiah. They missed it. The Savior of the world. God's only Son. They missed it. it took this handful of people, 12, and then it became 120. And really, that 120 was really the bedrock of what was going on. Even though Jesus had ministered to thousands and thousands, here's 120 people, and they're given the task to go into all the world and share who Jesus is. Share what God has done in their life. Share with people what God's doing right now in their life. It's the closest, by the way, the world has ever come to knowing about Jesus. It was then. God dispersed them all over the world. If you go back and look at the testimony of the disciples and those 120 in that room, it's an amazing thing that God sent them to every part of the world there was. And they started sharing about who Jesus was. And suddenly people went, wow, that's what I want in my life. That's what I want. I want that hope. I want that, that ability to be able to, to worship a God who's real, not some statue someplace. Our world is still like that. It's still like that. There are, I'm not going to say there's thousands in 
in Stonewall County because there were in thousands in Stonewall County. But there are a lot of people in Stonewall County who still haven't got it yet. And they're waiting for us. I'm convinced more and more they're waiting for us to go talk to them about who Jesus is and what he's done in our life. <coughs> Excuse me. I've had people tell me, I don't know enough about the Bible. You've got plenty to know about the Bible. You know plenty. You know that Jesus came, he died, he was resurrected, and he'll save you if you'll ask him. You know plenty about the Bible. They don't care as much about the Bible as they care about you. What has Jesus done in your life today? What's he doing right now? <coughs> as we leave this place today, may we, we, we be willing to open up our mouths and testify about what God's doing in our hearts and lives. Everything that you've got from God. Everything. Everything that's going on is not out of His realm. He knows. And He's working right now in your life. Would you be willing to share that? People around you? I hope so. It'll make a whole difference in this season. Jesus, our hope. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you're my hope, my strength, my shield. That God, in you I can put all of my faith. No matter what's going on in the world no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what's going on in my church, you're still God. Oh, I thank you for that. I thank you that you're my hope and my strength. And God, as I walk down these roads, as I go to Walmart, as I go wherever I go, Father, may I be quick to share with people about who you are and what you're doing in me right now. Thank you for that privilege, Father. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to have a hymn of invitation. God's inviting you right now to join Him. Brett, if you'd come lead us. Stand As we stand together, sing this hymn of invitation. What number? Number 316. Would you think about right now sharing what God's done for you with other folks?
So I want to remind you this afternoon, 3 o'clock, we're going to hand out gifts. We're going to have a great time of worship at the, at the nursing home. And so I hope you'll be there. You'll need to wear a mask. We're back to mask at the nursing home. So I uh, need to be aware of that. But man, it's going to be a great time. For those of you guys who missed last Sunday's time, we had a great time. Thanks for all of the guys that helped decorate and so on and so forth and, and put the bags together. Man, it's been it's fantastic. Church looks fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But if you missed out, my goodness, we had a good time together. And uh, we're going to have another good time on the 18th together. So I hope you'll be put that on your little, little mark that in your calendar and Look at the 18th and we'll have a good fellowship together. Any other word before we go this morning? Yes. Tuesday at 2 o'clock, John Paul uh, Metters passed away. And so services in the interment's going to be at the Double Mountain Cemetery. I think it's right. It's at Double Mountain, I'm pretty sure. Two more things, December the 4th, which is next Sunday, we're going to have the evening worship service is going to be over at uh, First Baptist. All the church is going to come together and uh, we'll have a great time. So I hope you'll come and fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. It'll be a great time together. And then on December the 7th, start thinking now we've got CIA and so uh, what we're going to do for the kids. So we'll talk about that more next week uh, when we get together. Any other word before we go? Gary Myers, would you close us in a word of prayer? nice out. It is nice out today. We won't be able to be there today. Okay. I had this somebody that I saw that. And he got sick yesterday. Ooh. So I will be up to you. Cleaning. Yep. Been there, had that before. It's not fun. Sure. So I visited with Paula and I visited. Me so long. <laughs>